Got a question for you this morning. How many of you, be honest with me, okay? How many of you hate change? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are honest, the rest of you weren't. Okay, how many of you love change? Raise your hands. Fewer of you. I love change too. Uh, I love most change. Anyway, there's some change I don't like. My wife, on the other hand, uh, is the polar opposite. Opposites attract, of course. Uh, she hates change for the most part. There's some things that she loves. Uh, for example, every time we've moved over the years, it's been traumatic for her because when, she, when Lisa makes uh, a house her home and then when she begins to make memories in that house, in her mind, there can be no better place on earth than this place that she has made home, right? But here's the problem with change um, and with our life, our life especially, uh, change has and is oftentimes inevitable, Right? And um, the inevitability of change um, causes us to, to have to deal with it whether we like it or not. Now, some of you may be lucky enough to get to spend most of your life in the same place, but not everybody is that lucky. And the fact of the matter is, um, change happens in a multiplicity of ways all the time all around us. Some of it's simple. Some of it's a, a change in a hairstyle. Some of it's change in clothing. Maybe it's some changes are more complicated than others, like uh, technology. Te technology is changing so fast I can't even keep up with it. I don't know about you. And then there are some changes that are literally all pervasive. They are changes that happen and they affect our life, like changes in our culture and our society. They are things that happen much beyond our control, we feel beyond our control, that literally tear at the very fabric of our lives. Well, this morning as we continue um, in our sermon series on discipleship, and you remember, um, discipleship is being or learning to grow to be more like Jesus, we're going to look at how God would have us as Christians deal with change. But before we even get there, what I want to do is I want to share with you two things, fundamental things about God and change that you need to understand. And if you will understand these two bedrock truths about change and God, you're going to be much better off. First thing is this. Um, there are times in your life when uh, it feels like change is happening and everything is out of control and you feel powerless. In those times, you need to remember that um, you have a choice. Now, the choices that you have may not be the choices that you want, but you have choice uh, as to how you're going to approach them, how you're going to deal with it. And that choice gives you power. And knowing that you have power in the midst of change, especially change that feels like it's out of control, will make everything better. Remember, you have a choice in the face of change. The second thing that I want you to remember Oftentimes, when faced with change, and, and everything seems to be changing at once, and there feels like there's nothing that you can cling to that is steady and secure, there's one thing that never changes, right? And his name is Jesus. Remember those two things, and you're going to be okay. So, if you're ready, uh, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles if you got them. Open them up to Romans chapter 12. Uh, and as you're opening up to your scripture for today, let me give you just a little bit of a, a background for it so that we'll understand what's going on. The uh, letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome, in, in 
no small measure was really to re-emphasize those two truths that I shared with you a moment ago. Number one, that you're not, you're not powerless when faced with change. And number two, to remind you that um, there's one thing that never changes, and that's God, that's Jesus. So the, this letter was written as a reminder to that and to build on uh, those, that groundwork as you face it, as it comes to you. You see, the Roman world, the Roman culture was um, basically overtaking everything. And if you didn't get with the Roman world view, there were consequences to pay. And um, oftentimes, the, the, world, the Roman world view was different than the Christian world view. They were in conflict with one another. So what would happen was this, that if you didn't get with the program, um, those consequences might be that you'd be thrown in prison, uh, or that you'd be fed to a lion, or that you would do, they would decide, we're going to use you for entertainment today, and we're going to throw you into the Roman Colosseum, and we're going to use you as sport, just so that, that um, we might have a good laugh at your uh, expense, and then your death. All of that left the Roman Christians feeling as though they really didn't have much of a choice at all. Because the choice did, neither one of the choices felt good. Remember I told you before that you always have a choice? They may not be choices that you like, but we always have a choice as to how we're going to deal with the stuff that's going on in our lives. Well, it was into that reality that um, the Apostle Paul, wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote these words. He says, I beseech thee. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. I beseech thee, or I beg you, not to be conformed to this world. I beg you not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. For when you do this, you will... Um, begin to discern the will of God, the good, perfect, and pleasing will of God. And then he goes on to say, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has given. Now, there's a lot of stuff in those three verses that we need to unpack and understand. Uh, for example, what does it mean not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed in the renewing of your mind? That is a big deal. You need to um, understand what those two things are and what the difference is between those things because this is what will happen once you understand that. You will be able to discern the will of God. And who among us hasn't always said, man, I wish I knew what the right thing was, right? If I only knew what the right thing was, which is God's thing, if I only knew what the right thing was in this circumstance, I would do it. Well, what we're being told here in this passage of Scripture is that you can know the right thing. You can know God's thing in the circumstance that you find yourself in if you choose not to be conformed to this world and be transformed in the renewing of your mind. You see how that works? But that still begs the, the question, doesn't it? How do you do it? Where do you start? I still don't know what it means not to be conformed to the world. I, I get that one in a little bit, but I have no idea what it means to be transformed in the renewing of my mind. How are we supposed to know? Where do we start? Well, um, I'll tell you. 
in order to fully understand verses 1 and 2, you have to first look at verse 3. And what does verse 3 say again? Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has given. Simplify it just a little bit. Be humble. Live your life with humility. You see, here's the problem that most human beings, I don't know if I should say most human beings, here's the problem that humanity in generality has. We think we're all that. We think when there's a problem, it's somebody else's problem, not mine. Or if I don't get something, I'm not the one that's wrong. Everybody else is wrong, including God. That's why the Apostle Paul says here, do not think, don't think you're all of that. Stop it. <laughs> because you're not. That's not very politically correct, is it? Live your life with humility because it's only when you, when you choose to approach life, it's only when you change your mind around and you start thinking, okay, I'm not all that. God is. It's only then that I can go through the mind transformation that I need and I'll have the wherewithal not to be conformed to the world or give in to the pressures that are going on in the world every day. They're trying to say, get with the program or you're in trouble. Get with the program, believe what I believe, or you are fill in the blank. And we, you can fill in the blank with all kinds of words, right? So it's very simple, really. Live your life with humility. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And then... Choose not to be conformed to the world, but transform the way you're thinking. And the way you transform the way you're thinking is by, I'm not that smart, God is. And when there's conflict between the, what the world says is the way it should be, and God says the way it should be, I'm going to choose God. And guess what happens when you do that? When you wonder the next time, what, is, what should I do? What is the right thing? Or what is God's will? It'll be much more clear. I started out today saying that we, our culture, we are in the midst of a cultural change. And I don't, I don't think that it's just happening in America. I believe that it's happening all over the world. Uh, most of the world, anyway. We're in the midst of a a cultural shift, that it, the likes of which I'm not sure the world has ever known. And it's because it's happening so fast. Um, our cultural mores are changing faster than most of us can keep up with. Um, and I'll tell you why that's happening, why it's happening so quickly, because it really didn't, it's taken a while to get to where we are, but what's happening culturally is that we have bought into a concept called relativism, right? We've probably talked about that before. And basically what relativism is, is that there's no such thing as ultimate truth. 
that truth is relative to me. If something feels good to me, then it's my truth. If it doesn't feel good to me, then it's not my truth. Now, it can be your truth if you want it to be, but it's all relative. And see, when a culture or a human being, one individual or a culture, but when it happens individually, it's not that big of a change for the culture. But when it happens culturally, things blow up. And all of a sudden, what will happen is things that once were never in question to anybody become commonplace. In fact, um, people will we get so good at justifying ourselves that we will go so far uh, as to believe and to state to the world that those things that a decade before may not have even been in debate with anybody in any circle become, we're now ready to say, well, that's my God-given right. And it can cause we, you and I as human beings to do things and to be things that we never dreamed or imagined maybe just a few years before. It happens just like that. Now, those kind of pressures to conform, to change the way you think, they happen, they've been happening forever. They've been hap- they happen in every culture, and they've happened in every generation. Now, I mentioned that to you today because it would be very easy for us to have read the passage of Scripture that we looked at today about, and then understood its context, right? Saying, oh, well, yeah, I understood the problem they, those guys are going through because if they didn't get with the world, they were going to be fed to the lions, right? I don't have to worry about that because that doesn't happen to me. Or we might think, well, that, that may speak to some people in the world today, like if you're a Christian living in a Muslim world, that, what, I, I get, where, I get the, re, the, the correlation there. But that's not what happens. None of that happens in America. Listen to me. It happens everywhere, all the time, in every generation and in every culture. Now, the insidious thing is, because the consequences may not be quite as dire for us as maybe they are for a Christian in a Muslim country or for the Christians in ancient Rome, we can, we can kind of stick our head in the sand and pretend it's not, not happening. But this is what will happen. It still happens. And one day you'll stick your head up out of the sand and you'll find out that everything changed. And so did you. Because you wanted to pretend like it didn't exist and it wasn't happening. That's why the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said to the ancient Romans and to the modern-day Iowans and those from England and New Sharon or wherever you guys are from. (laughs) He said, I beg you. I beg you. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. And how do I do that? By remembering that I'm not all that. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. For when you do those things, you will be able to discern the will of God, that which is right. In other words, stop complaining when you can't figure out what to do. Because if you can't figure it out, you got some work to do. As you come forward to receive communion this morning, God is asking you to begin practicing your faith. 
practicing what we just learned a Christian life ought to look like. And be well assured that as you do these things, as you do these things, not think about them, but as you do them, as you apply them to your life, you will, God's will, will become much, much more clear.